Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Sharon Vanderput. for your heart for us this morning. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Jesus, would you come this morning and would you just reveal more and more of your love for us and for the people around us today, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We exalt you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Please have a seat. You may be seated. This is moving about a little bit too much. Oh, it's so good to be with you. Happy Father's Day to everyone this morning because... Today, we, of course, we mainly celebrate biological fathers, spiritual fathers, adoptive fathers, people that have fostered. We are celebrating the godfathers. We are celebrating all of you this morning. But I thought, what better day than on Father's Day to talk about the Father's heart? All right. So um, we'll get into that a little bit this morning. But before we do, I just want to um, ask you a question. Are you going to help me preach this morning? It's a phrase Stephen Furtick says a lot, and I never really understood why he said this. So what does that mean, help me preach this morning, when he says that to his congregation? And I get it now. I get it now because it shows we're in this together. You, I am bringing a word, but we are all bringing that word out of what we, when we leave here, we're bringing it into our world. So you're going to help me preach this morning? Yes, great, because we're all preaching a word this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Fantastic. So when we know the love of the Father, everything else in comparison seems small. Or not as good in comparison. Doesn't mean that it's not good, but it's just so amazing and so vast. Actually, the psalmist describes um, in Proverbs, and actually in Psalms, he actually describes it as God's love is better than life itself. I mean, that is something. Love better than life itself. That is amazing. When we hear about Jesus and we give our lives to him, of course, we encounter his love and that's why we give our lives to him. But there is something where we can never arrive at a full comprehension of God's love for us. And it's a journey for the whole of our lives. And part of that today, we're going to dive a little bit more into the vastness, the greatness of God's love for us. So I've 
been on a journey actually for the last two months where I've been doing um, a small group with Jane. Well, I was participating um, with her on a small group called Song of Songs. And basically what we did was for about eight weeks, because there's eight chapters in Song of Songs, we would meet on a Monday night at eight and we would go through each chapter in the Passion Translation. And basically we would not just go through it, but we would encounter God while doing it. And let me tell you, it's changed me. It was, it was just, it, you get what you, you get out of it, what you put into it. So when you come saying, I'm going to meet with Jesus today, I'm going to understand his love. And let me tell you, I've taken like so many notes here. Um, you can barely read what's actually written there because I've just scribbled all sorts of other things because it is life-changing not just when we hear about God's love but encounter his love we can't leave the same we leave changed because his love is so great it challenges us it encourages us it builds us up and it changes us and we can't help but overflow with his love to the people around us. And actually, I've got some good news for you, and I'll talk about this a little bit later. But actually, um, we it was more like a pilot group um, that Jane kind of started, and everyone was welcome. But she's going to run another one, not starting tomorrow, but the week after. And everyone's invited. It's on Zoom. You can turn your cameras off, which I did all the time. Because when you're just meeting with God, and it was great because Kev had a, had a different small group running. And not that I don't like doing small groups with him, but you just want time with just Jesus when you do this. And you turn your camera off. You just meet with God and you just encounter him going through his word and just understanding the vastness of his love. It's amazing. So I want to encourage you to sign up for that small group. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. Jane's been doing it, going through this book and again and again for about two years now. And there's just so much that comes out of it. And we were both laughing because, you know, people are like, oh, Passion Translation, are you sure about it? At this point, I don't care if people say, what about the theological or whatever. I'm just going to meet with Jesus. And it's changed me. That's all I can say. So discover it for yourself. Um, but I want to encourage you to sign up for it. It's fantastic. Um, and so this morning, I want us to look a bit more at the Father's love. And we're going to look specifically at two stories this morning um, in the book of Luke, actually. We're going to start in Luke chapter 15. And we're going to look at the parable of the lost son. Can you say lost son? Lost son. That is going to be a found son. Hallelujah. All right. Are you ready? Cool. I'm ready. Let's start in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Can you say two sons? The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, let's pause there. Do you notice how kind the father is and how gentle he is here? He didn't get all about it all. He just did it. He's like, all right, that's what you want. There we go. All right, let's keep reading. Reading. Reading? What's that word? Reading. Um, verse 13. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. 
He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. All right. Can you see that it said he went to distant, distant land, distant land, distant country, it says. Now, why is that relevant for us? Sometimes here it's a more of a geographic, geographical thing that we see. The son is leaving the father. But this can also happen spiritually. Sometimes we can distance ourselves from the father and try to be independent and sometimes intentionally or unintentionally put up walls between us because we want to do our own thing. Or we put up walls between us and others as a result of that. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we just distance ourselves. Sometimes we want to. Well, we always kind of do that because we want to, but sometimes we don't realize it. And here you see that he actually hired himself out to someone. And he let someone else decide his destiny, his identity. He let someone else be the master over his life. So my question for you this morning is, have you maybe intentionally or unintentionally hired yourself out to something or someone that will determine your destiny and your purpose rather than God the Father? Because let me tell you, there are so many things and people that try to get control over our lives that try to tell us who we are, try to define us, try to, and it's not always a bad intention behind it, but the world is always out there, the things of the world, to keep us from the Father, to distance us from the Father, because when we're with the Father, man, we're unstoppable, not because of us, but because of Him, because of who we are in Him. Amen. See, we need to remember who we are. We are sons and daughters of the living God. Sons and daughters of God, not of anything else. And he has given you a mandate to not be ruled and reigned over by anyone else than him, but for you to rule and reign in your life through the Spirit of God. You are co-heirs with him. I know in my own life, as I've been going through Song of Songs and just other things, I've noticed in my heart where I've been independent from God, where I have wanted to do my own thing, or where I have been independent from my brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe even you guys, where there is they trying to separate and, and be creating an identity of our own. We all have an identity of our own, but it's all linked with the Father because without the Father, we're nothing because we are in Christ Jesus. When you take yourself out of that, you just got you. <laughs> but when you put yourself in Jesus, you're in Christ Jesus. Amen. If we... If we go back to the passage, it says that the son ran out. He'd spent everything and there was a famine. And he longed for something, but nobody gave him anything. Now here it talks about food, physical food. But let me tell you, there's a spiritual famine out there. 
And maybe you're not feeling physically hungry today, even though I am already feeling physically hungry and it's insane um, that it's already, it's not even lunchtime and I'm already hungry. But maybe you're feeling spiritually hungry, dry. You feel like you are in a famine. Let us remind ourselves today that our identity, our calling and our spiritual food lies in him and him alone. It says, um, where Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You might say, Sharon, it's a little bit extreme, this thing, a spiritual famine. Well, maybe you feel spiritually numb, dry, or starved today. And let me encourage you to draw you back to the heart of the Father because it says in Proverbs 4, it says that his words are life to those who find it and health to one's entire body. That's how life-giving the Word of God is. That's how life-giving God is, that His words are life and health to one's entire body. Now, let's go back to Luke 15, verse 17. We're going to read a chunk here. It says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Can you see what's going on here? There's a bit of shame here. There's a little bit of shame you can see that's going on. And we'll pick that up in a little bit. Then it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. What can we draw out of this? The father is for you. Can you say the father is for me? The father is for you. The father is gentle like we saw at the beginning of the story, but fierce in his love for you. Gentle, but fierce in his love for you. What else can we draw out of here? The Father sees you. Even if you've distanced yourself from him, even if you feel like you're long gone, long far off, the Father sees you. And all you have to do is come to him, draw close to him, and he runs to you. The Bible says, as you draw near to God, he draws near to you. As you make that step, even if it's just one step, he runs to you because he's fierce in his love for you. Now, can you see how it says he kissed him? That is so significant. Now, obviously, this part of the Bible was written in Greek. But in Hebrew thinking, the word kiss doesn't just mean to kiss. It can mean, it's a word, nasak. And it means to equip or to arm for battle. And that's what changed this whole thing for me. When it says all about smother me with kisses and you're like, wait, what? The Lord arms you for battle and equips you. It's an equipping, that kiss of the Father. 
It isn't that amazing. And you see that as he comes to him, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. It's God's loving kindness that leads us to repentance. That's what it says in the Bible. Loving kindness, not shame, not guilt. His loving kindness leads us to repentance. Now, remember what I said about the shame part. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The son is feeling shame. What is shame? It is not just thinking that what you've done is bad, but as a result of your actions, you are bad. Your actions become your identity, and you can't separate the two. That's what shame does. And I believe part of what God wants to do this morning is break off some of that shame. Where maybe you have said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son or your daughter. Look at the father's response to this. The father said to his servants, it says, but the father said. He doesn't even let him finish. He said, but the father said to seven, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. What does the father do in response to the son's statement of shame? He affirms his identity. He said, no, this is who you are. This is who you are. You are my son. What is that rope and that ring? It's a sign of authority. It's a sign of authority. It's a sign of honoring. The Father honors you this morning. The Father celebrates you this morning. Maybe you have been living with some shame in your life about something. And God is saying, remember who you are. I'm giving you a robe this morning. Take off that cloak of shame. I'm robing you with the robe of righteousness this morning. I'm putting sandals on your feet so you don't have to walk on dirt, but you can trample on whatever else is trying to take over your life. I'm giving you a ring as a sign of authority. Hallelujah. God wants to affirm your identity today. In verse 23, it says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Can you see the joy of the father in this? For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Can you say celebrate? Not only does God, God the father honor you and celebrate you, but he celebrates our relationship with him and with one another. The father honors you, he champions you, and is your biggest fan. Come on then. I mean, this is one son who wasted his inheritance, who was with prostitutes. And the father comes and says, this is who you are. Let's celebrate. And his son didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was come to the father. You cannot do anything to earn the father's love. There's nothing that you can do that make God love you more. And there's nothing that you can do that can make God love you less. Because his love for you is complete, it is whole, and it is perfect. 
you can find these bookmarks on your chairs. We spent some time doing them this week because we wanted you to leave with a a um, token remembrance. Token of remembrance, is that too fancy? Basically, there's statements on the back with scriptures from God to you. You were not a mistake for all your days are written in my book. Psalm 139. For you are my treasured possession. When you are brokenhearted, I'm close to you. Nothing can change God's love for you is what it says in the back. You're very welcome to take this with you. We have some more if you want to give it up to other people, even people that don't know Jesus. If they need to know his love, feel free to take some. But why do we want you to remember that? Because when you remember who you are in God, it changes everything. Now, let's keep looking at verse 25. Yeah, we need to move on here. It says, Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Then he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he doesn't say his brother, he said the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said. See, the father is affirming his identity again. You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's take time to celebrate one another's relationships with God. Let's not be consumed with jealousy like this brother was about, oh, they're there with God and I'm only here or this is what's going on. No, let's celebrate one another because each and every one of our relationships are so unique and precious. Let's have a culture of celebration in kingdom faith where we champion one another and celebrate God's love for one another. Amen. God is the perfect father. Okay, sorry, need to move on because I'm taking a bit too much time here with this. I'm too excited about it. Um, Let's go to Luke chapter 8. You can read with me in your Bible. We're going to look at a story of Jesus here. And you might say, hang on, Sharon, we're talking about God the Father. It's Father's Day. Why are we talking about Jesus? Well, it's relevant because Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing and I only say what I hear the Father saying. So what Jesus says is what the Father is wanting to express through him. Amen. Right. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Oh, this is so exciting. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Are you expecting Jesus this morning? Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years but no one could heal her. Okay, let's pause there for a minute. 
a little bit of context to help us understand the significance of what Jesus is about to do. Okay, in this time, in this context, women were seen as far less than equal than men. And according to the laws of Moses, laws of Moses, the laws God gave Moses, and specifically, if you're really interested in Numbers and Deuteronomy, according to that Jewish law, a woman was unclean during her monthly cycle. And they couldn't be in contact with anyone. And they had to even offer sacrifices for purification afterwards. Now, this woman didn't have a monthly cycle. She had a daily cycle, which meant that for 12 years, she was considered unclean. For 12 years, she was not allowed to be in crowds. For 12 years, whenever someone would touch her, they would immediately become unclean and would have to offer sacrifices. So no one would touch her because no one wanted to risk that. She was seen as an outcast for 12 years. And that's really important to remember. The doctors couldn't help her, so she was cut off and she was hopeless. Now she had heard about Jesus and something in her sparked hope. She, had, she went into that crowd but she had to overcome so many things. Fear, shame, guilt, worry, pain, isolation, disappointment. Now let's read what happens. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know the power has gone out from me. Okay, we're going to pause here again because there's a lot to take out from here. First of all, can you see how she pressed through the crowd to touch Jesus? The people said, people crowding and pressing against you. Do you know how many people she had to touch to get to Jesus? And they didn't even know it. She probably had to cover herself, conceal herself so no one would know. She made all those people she touched unclean. And they didn't even know, which is actually hilarious now looking at it. If they would have known, they would have been so upset. They probably would have stoned her. And this is not a joke. This is seriousness. Now, I long for us to be a people that will push past any shame, embarrassment, fear, concern, things of the past, push past, leave it all behind just to touch Jesus. That is my heart's desire, that we will long for intimacy with God so much that nothing would be able to stop us from touching Jesus. Let's be those people that leave everything else at the door. I've, I've been in a phase for the last two weeks where I don't even care anymore what people do around me because I, I, I'm determined. You know when David danced naked and his wife got so upset at him because he was worshiping to the Lord and she rebuked him and she, it said she despised him in her heart. And David's response was amazing because he said, I shall be even more undignified than this. Isn't that amazing? What if that was our response, that we would not care what things look like, sounded like, felt like? That's very important. Doesn't matter what things feel like, we still will come before God with everything that we are. Another thing, do you notice 
He was asked because this 12-year-old girl was dying, but he still stopped. Despite the urgency of the situation, Jesus did not rush and he took the time for her. Jesus has time for you this morning. He has time for you, even in the midst of the crowd. He's not too busy and he's not in a rush. Verse 47, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, wow, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Okay, wait a minute here. Can you see how gracious Jesus is? He knew her because he knows everything. He knew she had just made loads of people unclean. He knew the urgency of the situation and he does not interrupt her. He cares, he listens, and he lets explain. That shows such love of the Father. He was interested and he gave her the floor to give testimony to everyone despite what the crowd would have done. Now, this woman gets healed, yes, and she gets put on the spot and everything, and it caused huge uproar. Now, but what I want to focus on is what she touched. This is so exciting. You're going to love this. It says that she touched the edge of his cloak or the fringe of his cloak or the tassel of his garment that it says in other translations. Now, that word here that's used is called, it's hard to pronounce, but it's a zizit. Okay, that's, I think that's how you say it in Hebrew. Now, what is that, Sharon? I'm so glad that you asked. I'll tell you. Now, that word here is what they had to do. According to the law of Moses in the Old Testament, the Israelites were told to make fringes on the corners of the garments and to put a blue cord on the fringe at each corner. Now, this zizit, that's what it was, was important because it was this most special and most valuable garment that a man could wear. And it was a very personal one, of course, as well, very expensive and treasured and valuable and the most personal. Now, only immediate family were allowed to touch that cloak. If anyone else other than a parent husband, wife, or son or daughter to touch it, it would have been shameful, disgraceful, and a catastrophe because it was so revered and so personal. Now, this woman risked it anyway. Now, obviously, remember, they were not sh people were not supposed to touch it. Now, this woman touched it. So immediately, there would have been shame right? Because it would be shameful for someone else to touch it. Now look at Jesus's response because this is amazing. His response is far better than any of her wildest dreams. He said to her, daughter. Can you see the significance of this? In one word, he removes all shame, all embarrassment, all guilt because he calls her daughter in front of everyone. Come on, people, this is exciting. She touched something that was personal, that was close. And it would have caused shame. She didn't, she just rested. 
But Jesus, in front of everyone, said, I'm removing that. I'm calling you daughter, my daughter. Do you see again, affirming identity. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Not only was she healed, but Jesus said, on top of that, I'm going to remove all shame. I'm going to remove all guilt. Jesus values honesty. And today, let me tell you, Jesus lets you close. Jesus did not say, no, 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 you can't touch that. Jesus said, yes, come close. You are my daughter. You are my son. Come close. Why does God want you to come close? Because he wants you to experience his love for you in a fresh way. Because his love changes us. See, that statement of love removed shame and it changed her. His love for us is perfect and complete. In Romans 8, it says in verse 31 to 39, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, can you say God is for us? Who can be against us? Yes, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Can you say more than conquerors? Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can you come up, Joel? Thank you. Woo! Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. There's a few things that God wants to do now, I believe, in a response. Some of you need God to affirm your identity this morning. For some of us, God might want to remove shame. For some of us, God might just say, come close. I want to show my love for you. And there's always next steps with that. Maybe your next step is after this to just set a time every week, just that specific time where I'm just going to come before God and I'm going to have no agenda whatsoever other than to touch Jesus, to come close to him to touch the hem of his garment. It might be to join the Song of Songs small group, which you can sign up for on the website, by the way. Um, it might be just now to come before him or go on your knees or stand before him and just say, God, you are such a good father. Maybe you didn't have a very good father. Maybe you feel like you haven't been a very good father. Maybe you feel like you have come short in so many things. God wants to remove shame today and affirm your identity. Maybe you've distanced yourself from Him this morning. Not just this morning, maybe you've distanced yourself from Him. And all it takes, let me tell you, He runs to you. When you make that step, draw close to him this morning. Let him run to you. Let him embrace you. Let him equip you. 
Let Him give you the sign of authority and that robe of righteousness. Let Him show you this morning who you are in Him. Maybe you need to hear, daughter, your faith has healed you. Maybe you need to hear, son, you are my son. You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Jesus, we just come before you this morning. And Lord, we want to encounter you. We want to meet with you. We thank you for your amazing love that changes us, that transforms us. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.